Welcome to the Sober Podcast, hosted by Jack Herovich, talking all things mental health, business, finance, and all-round shit talk. We'd like to thank our sponsors, T-Boy, Performance Ice Tea, and Hiatus Non-Alcoholic Beer. Mate, thanks for coming on. Um, it's, it's obviously, yeah, you've been sharing a lot of um, vulnerability lately. So, yeah, it's great to have you on and um, look forward to this chat together to, to see what comes up. Yeah, same here. And, yeah, thanks for having me on. My pleasure, Joel. So just to get everyone listening kind of in the groove, if you want to give just a bit of a background story of what you're up to now and where you're living and um, we'll, get, we'll kick it off from there. Yeah, for sure. So I live in Byron, Byron Bay, um, from Perth originally and moved over about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, I now work in a rehabilitation centre for addiction. Um not exclusively drug and alcohol, but uh, that they are a pretty common common issue there. But yes, a lot of mental health stuff as well. It's kind of tied in with that world. And yeah, just uh, I, I teach a little bit of yoga as well. And I'm about to start my diploma next week in drug and alcohol. So I can become certified as a, a drug and alcohol counsellor. And um, yeah, writing writing a book as well about my life. And then uh, here I am speaking on this podcast. I'm extremely passionate about sharing my story. And so that uh, a few doors have been opening up with that recently, um, especially given these these videos I've been making. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm really excited about, about where this is all going. Yeah. Well, you've, I didn't realize that you're doing so much in that space. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah writing a book and starting... Yeah, I suppose it's good to, you know, it seems like you've delved and dived deep into the area, um, which is, <laughs> is often the, the best way to do it and achieve the most from it. So tell me just a little bit, like, in terms of your um, uh, where you work at the rehabilitation centre, is that more, because um, you said it wasn't really based around alcohol and drugs, so it's more like helping youths in mental health crises or... Oh, no, so it, it is mostly drugs and alcohol. It's just right. not exclusively that uh, because because it is such a complex issue. There's there's a lot of mental health stuff that's that's going on. Um, but, yeah, mo- most of the clients I'm working with are, are drug and alcohol. Uh, it's So in, in Perth, I was working in the public system, so it was free services. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed it doing that and then coming here it's it's kind of like the other end of the spectrum so it's a uh, it's a luxury rehab and we we generally take on one client at a time at each we have different houses we take we have one client um that that stays in the house and and does their their rehab there yeah like detoxing and that kind of Uh, work or more it, it depends uh we do offer detox as well so we have medical staff coming in for those first few days, getting them through that kind of medical assistance, and then uh, that's uh, after that point is, is when I'll come in and I'm I'm a carer, and yeah I'll, I'll come in and uh, basically we'll spend the day or the night I'll do overnights and stuff with them, and take them to appointments, eat eat with them, uh, might might teach them some yoga, take them to activities. Um, what, what, like it, because it's a very, it's a very personal 
service. So each um, each client's week is going to look very different to another. Okay. Yeah. Must be extremely rewarding, but also I, I would say like challenging. Would you call it or? Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. I love it. And yeah, given my story, I, I can connect to them um, pretty pretty quickly, and that, that's kind of like a, a uniqueness about um, my my role there. Yeah. Which I really appreciate, and yeah, it's it's very fulfilling, and and I love doing it, but it can also be very very challenging as well and mm. so so when it's when it's kind of cruising along and, and things are going well and people are pretty stable it's it's um it can be very relaxed you know and then other times if, if people are having a particularly hard time it, it can kick off yeah absolutely and i and you know what you just said about you know resonating with your story must make a big impact too and i guess you know I've been following you uh, on your socials, Instagram and TikTok, and obviously, you know, you sharing your stories. One is, I think, amazing, um, given of, you know, what, where you said you were and where you are now. So, yeah, I want to um, acknowledge you for that. That's, that's just epic. Um, and secondly, I was just, the, the views, I saw some of them have reached, what, over a million views per video? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I'm still getting my head around it. It's it's a very surreal feeling, really. So I, I've been, as you know, I've been re- releasing videos on um, Instagram. Yeah. For for a, a couple of months or so, or maybe a little longer actually, a little while. And I've got a pretty small Instagram following, just kind of like friends, and it's just it's just picking up now. And I made it was suggested to me that I, I make a TikTok because apparently that's where uh, a lot of mental health talks are going on yeah so I thought, oh, okay like i don't know that's gonna work for me and kind of made it a little while ago forgot about it and hadn't actually put any uh, addiction videos up it was just mostly yoga stuff and i think i had like i had less than 10 followers and um and then i just decided to to whack these videos up the other night whenever that was five six days ago and chucked it up and then the next morning I, I looked at it and it had one of these videos had 10,000 views. Right? And I was like, wow, that's... Is that overnight? Overnight, yeah. I was like, wow, that's considerable. You know, I've got yeah. a couple of followers. <laughs> and then um, and then I yeah went went for a surf for an hour, came out and it was at 70,000. And I thought, okay, all right. Like it's, <laughs> what's happening here? Uh, by, by the afternoon, 4 p.m., it was at... 400,000 and then three hours later it was at a million and it was going up 500 views a second and then by the next morning it was at two and a half million and and then it's um kind of died off it must have reached the end of its um, algorithm life (laughs) that is crazy reach though when you think about it like in a matter of what 48 hours you've you've hit you know two and a half would you say two and a half million people's screens like insanity (laughs) The advertising, like I often think that, like the old advertising companies when they're doing TV commercials and like bus stop signs, they're just like they'd be rolling over in their graves at the moment, thinking of how easy it is to get so much reach. But I mean, guys just made a video and just chucked it on, and then suddenly got all this. Yeah, but I guess it just it goes to show like how um, how far that content that you're releasing goes. you know, with people of interest, you know, and have, you know, obviously a lot of people either related to it or are very, you know, interested in it. 
So, yeah, and, I, and, and I also think it's um, because it, it created a lot of discussion. I think that's also what kind of boosted it because uh, people were, you know, I'm kind of opening up and then someone else will open up about their, their story on there in a comment. Yeah. And people will kind of create all these conversations. Yeah. Creates a, you know, a safe place to talk about it, I guess, too. Yeah. But it was, it was actually quite a, as, as amazing as it was um, to, to have that exposure and, and to get all that engagement and, and to just suddenly like pop and go viral, which is incredible. It was, uh, it was also tough as well, reading through the comments. So when I, when I started, I, uh, sorry, when it started kicking off 10,000, hundred thousand, whatever, yeah. uh, there weren't that many comments. I think there's about 1500 or so now, but I, I, I was reading through them and it was all like glowing, glowing stuff, you know, really, really nice stuff. And then there are the occasional quite like hateful comment in there. Is that right? And yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and pretty quickly I decided to stop reading the comments because it was yeah. like those, those, like I'd read a hundred bloody nice ones and then there'd be one that was just like somebody, um, just, just trying to be mean or projecting their own stuff, whatever's going on. And I would, I, I started taking that to heart and I thought, what am I doing here? Like I'm focusing on the, on this tiny, this one person that has an issue. And um, yeah, kind of made the decision there to to stop um, to read the comments. Yeah, yeah. But I have kind of gone in since um, when I kind of gave myself a few days, gone in since and, and replied to to many of them. But um, it, I had to kind of be careful what I'm reading and not, not get my, let myself get sucked into that hole of, of negativity. Yeah, it, no, it's disappointing to hear. But I, I guess you know if it's a small amount out of the you know million people that. They're grateful for it, then that's on them. There's always <laughs> going to be someone who's, who's not into it out of that many people. There's well. always a dickhead. There's always a dickhead somewhere, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So I guess like to go in um, to like obviously those stories um, that you're sharing, I've viewed and though quite um, yeah, you could definitely like, from where you from where you are now, obviously meeting you in person um, and the lifestyle, obviously living up in Byron Bay now. What like I guess if we want to take it back to, I guess where where that all started, that you know that first chapter of your life, how it began, and obviously you know you had some addictions and um, a completely different life and lifestyle to what you have now. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear about you know how what the the storyline um, of it all. Yeah, of course, of course. It's. I always try and think of like where, where to start this story. Yeah. Um, I suppose to say, yeah, a good, better question would be, so like when, when you obviously, you know, had the addictions to, to certain substances, what like, what do you reckon was like the starting point of where um, you thought that, you know, the, 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 the journey of that path started to begin, like when, you know, in the age and were, were there any things that, you know, that started it or, yeah, so I, I think there are a fair few things that contributed, but it really started to take shape around the high school mark, I'd say the age of 14, 15. Uh, just so I, I'm um, a single child, sorry, only child, and uh, my mum and dad were separated when I was 14. 
Yeah. Dad uh, is English. He went back to England and I stayed here and, and, and lived with mum. And losing dad was, was quite tough for me there. And I, I felt really hurt and, and abandoned that, that he left. And, and it was quite a pivotal age for me um, where I'm, I'm kind of figuring out who I am and, and my place in the world. And in high school, I was at high, in high school at the time, I went to a, an all-guys school, which is pretty ruthless, you know, uh, when it comes Can to... Can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I started... Uh, I started dressing differently and really expressing myself in a different way to, to many of the other boys there. And so I was, I was picked on by, by a lot of the kids and in, in high school, it's like, like I said, it's, it's ruthless because it's like, I totally see where they're all coming from because you don't want to be the kid that is picked on. And so what, what happened very quickly is like people saw that I was getting picked on by, by a few and then rather than side, side up with me and risk getting picked on themselves, they've all kind of like joined this one pack and then it really felt like it was kind of me versus everyone else. And so that kind of fed into this feeling or suspicion of mine that, that I'm not enough and I'm not worthy and, and I, I don't fit in anywhere, right? And I think that's kind of where a lot of my addiction stuff was was born and I wasn't I wasn't taking any any drugs at this point or anything like that and got to I was about 17 when I was was diagnosed with a, a panic disorder and I was put on Valium and got and then completed high school and started to, to smoke weed pretty frequently. But I think the, the real kicker for me was beginning to deal drugs. So yeah, about the age of 18, 19, I, I started to sell um, weed to, yeah, to, to, to people. And some of these guys were the guys in high school that bullied me. And so I finally felt that that sense of acceptance and belonging. And as I interesting, that, yeah, yeah. So so that was that was what really. I I. Gained an identity, in that moment. I was like I was Joel the drug dealer, right? And I was really happy with that. And I thought, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm the man. You know, like all these, <laughs> <laughs> all these guys that treated me poorly are now calling me, inviting me places. Um, you know, like it, I was, I was going to all the parties and, and guys were calling me and girls were interested in me and I had lots of drugs and money and freedom and all this kind of stuff. And I was, I was hooked, you know, and, and the, the money, the money was, was great, but it was, to be honest, it was it was mostly the other things that I was that I was attracted to. It was like the social acceptance. That's it. Yeah, um, and I got a real buzz out of that. And I was experimenting with with party drugs, you know, just, yeah, MDMA and acid and all this kind of stuff. And when I was twenty, 
21, I, I was using meth quite a bit. I was smoking, smoking a bit of meth on, on the weekends. And I was also taking a lot of benzos. So benzos are the family of drugs that Valium and Xanax are in. So your anti-anxiety tranquilizers. And yeah, so by the age of 21, I was an everyday Xanax user. It wasn't prescribed or anything. I was just getting them illegally and was really dependent. So I would, I would drop into a full panic attack if I didn't have any benzos. And wow. Absolutely freaking out. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was when I started to see this darker side of, of things and, and realize that, uh, maybe I wasn't in control of my life as much as I thought. Yeah. So where am I? I'm about 21. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was going to say, so when you, cause you said from the start, um, you had the, the panic, uh, attack, um, uh, what, how, what did you, how did you call it? Sorry. Uh, uh, panic disorder, panic disorder. And they prescribed Valium. Do you think that was the kind of starting point of the, uh, did you see yourself abusing them or was it more the, uh, you know, when you, you know, when you, uh, you know, smoke a joint and you're a teenager and it was at that kind of what, like, is that, it was what they call it, you know, the gateway of, in some sense, if you were to look back on it now and go, what was, you know, that first taste, uh, where, you know, it kind of, that's where the trajectory of your life went from that point. Um, yeah, interesting question. Eh? Like the gateway is, is such a, can be quite a hot topic in the recovery world. All oh, right. You know? and, and it's like, oh, it's alcohol gateway is weed again. So I never think about that. It's, um, I'd say, I'd say that the Valium would be a, a fair assumption to make there. I don't think it was the weed. It wasn't like I smoked weed and was like, oh man, I, I really want to try yeah. stuff and see where this goes. I guess it was more so the, the Valium because that led me to the Xanax. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'd say the benzos were, were right, so I just want to make it clear. There's, there's no blame that I have towards the doctor who prescribed me this kind of thing. Oh no, no, it wasn't inclining that. Choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, always my choice to, um, to, to take it all but i'd say yeah that'd be a good that was a um yeah no because it's kind of interesting how like you picked it up at the start and then it came back a bit later in in the serving two different um uh aids in a sense yeah for sure yeah well that's yeah i mean yeah that's you know it sounds like there was quite a few things that were kind of contributing towards you know that area as well and i think yeah the the, the social um you know, impact and dilemma and, you know, that uh, peer pressure, I guess. Um, I think even now you, you see you know, a problem around, you know, those teens and tweens eras. For sure. And I, I also feel like the, the Valium really taught me that, oh, I, I'm feel because I, I don't think I actually had a, a panic disorder, right? I, I think it was a response to my parents separating and the, and the bullying that I was seeing in high school and basically the the Valium taught me that like when I had these feelings of anxiety with and these strong emotions I could take a pill and it would all go away mm. and I think that's really what led to those um to that the, the more severe substances from there yeah and I guess like from obviously like you're you're dealing and um 
you know, getting more and more into it, did you like, did it continue to uh, increase and go further downhill from there? Or like, is when, when did, did you, was there a point when you're like, oh, wow, this is getting a bit much? Yeah, well, yeah, it definitely, it definitely increased. It got a whole lot worse. Whole yeah. Lot worse. Um, I was having, sni- there were snippets of realizations that were coming through to me. So I was in, I was at this age, 21, I was still pretty heavy denial about any, any addiction. But then there's this one, I remember this one particular day where I, um, yeah, I, I was with a, an ex-girlfriend in a hotel and I, I decided not to take Xanax that day. I'd made a, I was like, oh, I'm just going to see if I can not do it. Cause I've just been taking it every day. And then it, I got to like 3 PM or something. It was absolutely like just wigging out in this hotel room, just crying and like just complete breakdown. And, and I ended up like take, taking pills to calm down. And, and I remember that feeling of like, Oh, okay, Joel, like shit's getting real, you know? Mm, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it, it definitely progressed from there. So um, I was 21 then. I, I, I stumbled onto coding. So the, which uh, at, at that age, I could get over the counter. You could just go into a chemist and, and buy a box. You just say you've got a, a migraine or come up with some kind of uh, pain that you've got. And they wouldn't ask too many questions, you know, and they just give you a box. And... When I tried those, because I've been experimenting with other drugs up until that point, and it felt like I was just like, I was searching and searching and, and there, there was a void in me, you know, that's why I was, I was never really finding any answers or really satisfied with, with the effects that I got from other drugs. And then when I tried codeine and it totally relieved me of, of all emotional pain and anxiety and it it was a drug that just like made made sense to me and I just thought like this is what I've been looking for and from there things escalated um, quick as to how much I was using and, and like your tolerance grows very fast with codeine so in, in the beginning I was, I was taking, so when you, when you buy a box, it would say recommended dose is two pills. And so my first time I tried to get high from it, I just had three. And then that was, that was enough, right? And it kind of got me very interested in this substance. And then b- before long, I'm, I'm grabbing a box of 40 per day from the chemist and running them through a, a filtration process. So I don't have to ingest all the other drugs that are mixed in with these tablets, paracetamol. And, wow. And so I was having these 40 tablets, right? Because my tolerance had, had increased. And then before long, I'm, I'm, I'm going to two chemists each morning because I need to get 80 tablets and you get two boxes. And, and then once again, I moved to three boxes. I'm having 120 pills each morning. And that was kind of the nature of my addiction was just like extreme, just push, push, push. If, if I had, if I had eight yesterday, I'm going to have 10 today. And then tomorrow I'm going to have 12. And it's like always looking for more and ever chasing, like chasing that, that 
that initial high, I feel like with that codeine, I got high off those, that three, like I said at the start. Yeah. And then from there, I was just continually chasing that feeling and could never get it no matter how high I pushed the dose. Just constantly chasing that feeling. That's crazy. And like, so like, did you, like, obviously when you're buying that much over the counter, did you have to like swap your shops, like different pharmacies? It was just saying like, if you're buying that many coding from one place, surely must be like, wow, how sore is your back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, they, they catch on pretty quick. So I'd, yeah. go, to, I'd go to, I would like have a, a mental list of the suburbs that I've hit in the last week or two. And then I'll go to other suburbs and keep an eye out for new chemists and, and all this kind of stuff. It was a strange, strange thing. I, I imagine it'd be like kind of when someone's a big drinker and like um, liquor stores are their, their trigger, right? A chemist was my trigger. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? And I guess from, so like from your codeine, um, what's like, what's stapled down after that? Like, cause you said you were like kind of trying to chase this um, feeling and void in you. Did you, did you experiment with other um, substances after that? Or did it, you know, obviously did it just get worse and worse or? Yeah. Yeah. So, so from there, it, um, th these numbers, I was having so many tablets and I really wasn't getting the effect I wanted. I started branching out, looking at other opiates. So opiates are the, the group of drugs that codeine is in, which are just your okay. painkillers. You've got, um, you know, codeine and tramadol morphine and, and heroin's in there too. So experimented with a couple of others and landed on oxycodone, which is a synthetic opiate, like a, a very heavy duty painkiller. Um, quite often prescribed to, to terminal patients and that kind of thing, like for some, for some serious pain. And upon finding those things took a a massive spiral down. So until that point, I was, I was, I was dealing a lot. I was, I was partying and using all these other stimulants and um, psychedelics and whatever was kind of happening around there and earning plenty of money through, through dealing and then found Oxy and it was like things just took the, a big shift. So I, became a lot more desperate in my addiction. So I pretty much pushed code into the side because it just doesn't even compare to Oxy. Once again, we're just pushing these huge numbers with Oxy. It was costing me so much money uh, per day and I would just about do anything to, to get it and get the money for it. And even though some weeks I might be earning up to 10 grand a week, uh, from, from dealing and I would still be like hemorrhaging money on this oxy and other drug habit, which was just out, out of control. And I, I started noticing with the oxy came a lot more problems. So within my friend group and the peers that were using around me, people starting to rip each other off and, and there was, you know, there was uh, violence and, and other crimes coming in. Yeah. And so it got pretty, pretty heavy duty there. That went on for for a few years. I was on and off maintenance, um, op op opioid maintenance um, drugs, such as your Suboxone and Methadone, which is like a, they're both um, 
drugs that you go to the chemist each day and they'll give you a certain dose and that'll basically reduce the, the cravings for, for opiates and it's, um, it's a much safer way of, of, of taking opiates and, and hopefully recovering from them. So I'm kind of on a combination of that and an oxy for a few years, kind of bouncing back and forth. Like I had a little bit, little bout, bounce of time where I'm, um, I'm doing well and then other times where I'm, I'm just using heavily. And at some point, they, the government changed oxy. So I was, uh, I was crushing these tablets because they were slow release. I was crushing them, snorting them and smoking them, chasing the dragon. And they changed the formula and you could, they were slow release and you couldn't crush them anymore. So you, the only way you could ingest them was by eating them. And they had nowhere near the same effect. So myself and a lot of the people around me that were hooked on Oxy made our way to heroin. Yeah, wow. And yeah, that's, that's when, that's when my, my whole life really, really turned around in, in a negative way. And, uh, the, it, 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 I, I wasn't injecting at the start. I really resisted it. I was, I was disgusted by it and I was scared, I was, I was scared of it and I was scared of people that injected. Um, and then when I did eventually start injecting, it was, there was no social aspect to my use at all. Most people don't, don't want to hang out with somebody who is shoving a needle into their arm. Yeah. Um, and so the whole appeal of, of this lifestyle of like dealing and being social and feeling accepted and valued and, um, surrounded by people like that, that completely took a 180 and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just in my, in my room, in my car, in a public toilet, wherever I like just shooting, shooting heroin, so much shame, um, so much darkness and, and pain. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's heavy, Joel. Um, and I guess, you know, it's from that kind of, that social aspect, like you said, where it kind of made you feel, I guess, a little bit more a part of something to then going back, you know, into a, a quite a, um, uh, inner and you know, what, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like more, uh, a lonely aspect, I guess, with, of that world. And like at that time when you were using heroin, but were there people around you that were also doing it and making it feel normal or is it, um, kind of a decision you took for, you know, chasing the high and, and a, and a cost perspective. There, there were people around me that were using it, but my, my longer term friends, like my real friends, most of them weren't you know, and they, they pulled away from me when I, when I started doing that and, yeah. and I pulled away from them as well out of shame. Um, but yeah, it did really become a normalized thing. So I started hanging out with, with, uh, heroin dealers and, and a lot of them were using themselves 
and it was kind of like one of the only places that I'd feel safe to to shoot. And so I would hang out with these people, um, and and it did feel normal every day going and having a shot, running money, and then and then trying to find another shot, and 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 so on. So yeah, it was a really you become a product of your environment. You know, it really was. Yeah. Really, Absolutely. And how, like, out of, like, how long did that last for in terms of the, the, the heroin usage? Uh, heroin, IV, her- so in, injecting heroin was about, about six years. And, yeah, on and off, on and off, and using Suboxone and, and Methadone, these other, these other, uh, these other replacement drugs and, um, yeah, it was, it was chaotic. <laughs> so chaotic. Yeah. To say the least, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible that you're sitting here, um, and being able to, you know, do what you are doing today, honestly, like it's quite amazing. Um, so I like, obviously like after that six year period, what was like the first step towards, um, like getting yourself clean and like getting back on track, like. What, do you remember, like, was there a, a moment or um, something that came to mind or, you know, a particular strategy that you used to help you? you know, or, or were there many times you tried to get off? Yes. Yeah, I, I tried I tried so many times. Yeah. Um, uh, just, like, cold turkey and using other drugs to replace and um, even, like, holding up with friends, ask, asking some of my beautiful friends who who were who were non non users to to take me in for a few days and then like give me I remember this one friend just so amazing took took me into her parents' house when her parents away let me stay there for for a few nights and she was like dosing me with like little bits of oxy um, she would like you know I'd give her like tablets and be like can you please give me like a quarter of a tablet twice a day and this kind of thing and it was like almost like my nurse so these like yeah detox <laughs> treatments that i'd set up for myself and there's nothing was working you know went to detox a couple of times which is a medical facility where you pretty much just go into a place with a bunch there's a bunch of nurses and doctors there and other people that are coming off substances and you you come off it very quickly rapid detox it's called and they give you meds to to ease the the pain and discomfort and then I would, I'd be in there for a couple of weeks, come out, maybe last two months, and then we'd dip straight back into, into using again. And this happened two, maybe three times. And I was, I was wondering why, why is nothing changing for me? Like I, I don't get it. I'm going in there, I'm getting off the drugs, and and then very quickly I'm, I'm falling back into the same old behaviour. And I, I felt a little pressure from my mum and my girlfriend at the time i was i was really spiraling pretty bad this is after a couple of detox attempts they actually booked me in for a private uh facility private mental health hospital okay to, to get off these drugs once again i didn't really want to do it i wasn't ready and i just wanted to get them off my back and so i agreed to it went in there spent uh, six six weeks or so in there it was actually going all right in there and then uh went to a rehab from there and pretty soon into that rehab i ended up getting drugs delivered there 
which was no easy feat. Like this place is like proper regional, like hours away from Perth. Got these drugs lived there and then overdose inside the rehab. And um, yeah, that was that was really chaotic. Um, that there's traumatic really that that whole experience. And I and I watched a friend in there overdose on my gear as well because when I got ambo'd to the, the hospital, he's gone and like found my bag and then oh, shit. he's overdosed. It was a fucking nightmare pretty much. Um, once again, I, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at all. And was, was really torn up watching my friend overdose. He, um, he got ambo'd out and, and was in a coma and yeah, it was, I really, I blamed myself and ended up getting kicked out of that rehab. And then in that, in the week following that from being kicked out, I, I overdosed nine times in, in that, just in that one week. And I, I really felt in, in that moment of taking on that blame of him overdosing it and, and whatever kind of permanent brain damage he suffered. I, I really just lost, I lost the will to live. And it wasn't as though I was, I was trying to, to end things. I, I just kind of stopped caring about whether they, whether they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, so that's the, the kind of like the tipping point. Yeah. So from, from there, actually, it was maybe another nine months or so after that. I was really not living well. I'm, I'm staying in backpackers in, in Perth City, getting kicked out from, from one and another and another. And I got blacklisted from, from the backpackers because I was just causing too much trouble and overdosing in there. And there were like violent attacks on me and, and all this kind of stuff. So it was just, a, just an absolute mess, right? And... I was living in this backpack as one of the few that I hadn't been kicked out of. And I was living with a friend who I'd actually met in that rehab. And he was heavily addicted, I was heavily addicted, and he would look after me when I was when I was dope sick, when I was withdrawing from, from heroin, and I would look after him when he was coming off the meth. Um, and so we were just like basically just trying to survive, you know, each day. Mm. And um, then he ended up um, committing suicide, and and I, I I I felt I was very alone, even just with him. And then when I lost him, it, I, I was rocked. You know, I was like, <laughs> the only person that was really spending time with me is, is now gone. Absolutely. And then a couple of days after that, my my dad, who's in England, he. He died, just suddenly died from this rare cancer. Um, it all happened very quickly before before we could even get over there to see him. You know? And um, and then that that for me was the tipping point. That those couple of days there, and I I really felt like I had a, a big decision to make in that moment. And it was I can I can sit in this victim mentality of self-pity that I've been doing for so many years and it's got me here and I can keep 
using heavier than ever, most likely kill myself. Yeah. Or, or maybe I, I can, I can try something completely different and really do this for me this time. And so then I, I got in touch with a rehab in, in Perth, Palmerston, they're called absolutely incredible work they do. And it took me, it took me a fair few months to really get my foot in the door there. And because they, because they, uh, they, they wanted to see that I was serious about my recovery. So they weren't just going to let me come in, do the same shit that I pulled at the other rehab and w watch me go down. They, they wanted to see, they were like, okay, Joe, well, we want you to come along to this many groups in this many weeks. You got to be here on time. And that, that was a, a fair bit of hard work for me just to get to these meetings. But eventually I, I, I got in there and was in there for seven months or so, a little bit over, and had my 30th birthday in there as well. And that's, that was really where things started to, to take shape and my new life began. Wow. And yeah, that's, so that was, yeah, they, you kind of had to come to the, the rock of bottom of bottoms to, and what was it like, like as the feeling, like obviously coming off a heavy drug like heroin would be extremely difficult mentally, but physically as well, from what I've heard, what was that, that kind of feeling and like emotions that were going through when you were coming off something like that, that you were so dependent on at the time? And it was, it was incredibly uncomfortable, right? So how coming off meth, right? So I, I was, I was using meth as well, but it wasn't, wasn't every day. Um, but com coming off meth for me was very much psychological and it was like jagged, cold steel, right? Like that was the fit, like everything was just like grimy and like, um, dark and my, my thought, you know, lots of anxiety and, um, a little bit of sweats and some, some kind of physical stuff going on, um, wing winging out. It's all very much in my head, right? Very, very uncomfortable. Absolutely horrible. Would not recommend coming off heroin. A lot of it was physical and the, for me, heroin withdrawal is like the worst flu that I've ever experienced. Almost like hospital grade sickness. Quite often it, it can be where, you know, like the, the sweats, the sinuses are going, the, the, the eyes are itching, um, hot and cold flushes. You lose like control of your limbs. So my like, arms and legs and stuff would just be like flying out all over the shop. Uh, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, can't, can't really stand up or like keep my balance, um, very lethargic, can't keep any food down. And with, with all that, there's all the psychological stuff that, that comes with that because I'm stuck in that state of I can't even look after myself and I, I'm just so sick. I remember when I was this one particularly bad heroin withdrawal that I was trying to do from home. I was, I was living with a partner at the time. She, she wasn't a user and, um, she was at work. I was at home and I didn't have the strength. I was, I was stuck in bed withdrawing. Didn't have the strength to, 
to to make my way to the kitchen to to put a bit of bread in the toaster and i was like calling her asking her to come home to put a bit of bread down for me and stuff wow that really really de- destroys you in some or to put it to the least yeah yeah horrible stuff it's crazy and like does it have to be done under like medical supervision or can it be done without because i know obviously like alcoholics um you kind of have to do it in hospital right because it can be quite dangerous with your body coming off it yeah so alcohol and benzos are the two two drugs the withdrawals can be fatal right just the withdrawals themselves yeah um, heroin not so much fatal um, however, I think it can leave you more susceptible to, to, to some pretty serious things. Um, I, my suggestion would be to go and do it in a detox facility because me trying it at home, there was, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening for me anyways. Mm. And I think to be around people that know what you're going through and can give you the correct medications without you having to try and dispense it to yourself or not having the right stuff and, um, yeah, I feel like detox is the, is the way to go. Yeah. And so from that, um, was that last facility that was in Perth? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So from from there where it was, so that was like your, your fight finale of of the the road, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wow. Was, it was the last. So that was where I really, I really got healthy and then discovered that the, the reason that these detox facilities, these, these, uh, 14 days since hadn't been working for me was because the the substance the substances that the drugs were were the symptom of of my my issues so i i had an issue with with my life and so i was using drugs to to soothe soothe myself and so just taking these drugs away and then expecting my life to just suddenly uh turn around and 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 me to to find peace or contentment, whatever it is, um, that was just, it wasn't, it wasn't happening for me. So then I realized going into this rehab facility where I had to go to detox first to get off the drugs, then I could go to rehab to then right. begin doing the work on myself. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the underlying reason behind why you were you know, using X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Wow. So that, that you found was like the, 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 the groundbreaker in terms of you know you know one you're off and then two it's the steps to to, to remain off yeah and yes, w- yes. what kind of things did they run you through so it was it was very much like looking at what what's driving the behavior and like how how has your childhood been and, and how you're feeling about yourself and it was really it really taught me to be assertive and to put boundaries in place it taught me independence and also how to lead so so once you've been there so once i had been there for uh, for a few months i got put into a, a senior role and that meant i was actually i was running some of the, the the groups like the group therapy that we were having and to, to be put in that position as as a, a patient essentially um really empowered me and i was like man i i believe in myself and and i can yeah i can be a leader 
and it was just a really in- incredible journey of, of transformation. Yeah, so it gave you that sense of worth, which I guess you hadn't felt for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And I get, you know, from there, I just I suppose you just continued to get, you know, better and better um, until you, you know, to the point you are today. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a smooth journey. You know, yeah. Beat around the bush and, and and be like, oh, I went to rehab and and then I was, I was healed. Um, and, and I I have had a couple of slips since rehab. Yeah. And they've they've taught me a lot of things about myself and. I realized that 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 I was letting my my ego take take control of things, and I thought, oh, I've done this work, I've gone to rehab, and and now I am all better. I don't really need to I don't really need to um, take stock of my behavior so much anymore. Yeah, and yeah, so having having a couple of slips taught me like, hey, Joel, you need to, you need to stay on top of this. You need to be careful with, with, with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and remember that the recovery journey isn't linear. You know, there's, there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be tough days. Um, but yeah, just keep, keep an eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. And to have, I guess, you know, maybe, although it's a slip up, like you said, it's like a learning curve for you to, you know, appreciate what you have and, what you've done and it's like oh no you don't because <laughs> the mind's got that you know fucking crazy thing where it can you know make up these weird stories like oh no you're feeling good <laughs> yeah you just gotta have one yeah exactly <laughs> joel that is a wild wild ride that you've been on seriously and i think you should be incredibly proud of yourself where where you are now i think it's it really is amazing and no wonder so many people were receptive to those videos and you opening up about it that's uh, that's crazy. Thanks so much, Jack. No, mate, thank you. And for, like, I guess, like, because obviously now you've gone, you you you've gone from a patient to a facilitator of some sense. How, like, and now you're seeing on the outside picture. Do you see um, areas that need, you know, mass improvement? Like, obviously, with the upcoming generations, and God knows what drugs will be around by the time. Yeah, I've got a two-year-old and I can't even imagine what's going to be around by the time he's at, at age of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be better, um, like, education and um, openness around those areas? Because I know, you know, back in our parents' or, you know, grandparents' days, it was very shunned upon. You know, if anyone had an addiction, it was like, you know, you would hide that in the family because it was a shameful thing. But now I feel um, it's more open and people are able to express and talk about it. Do you think there's anything that needs to change in particular to see better results and more people not heading down that path? Like what would be the thing like when you were in that spot that um, what would have really helped you at the time? I, I think more <laughs> awareness and more openness about our problems, whether that's addiction, drugs, or whatever's going on, anxiety or depression, or you just got some, some issue at home. Or that's, that's why I'm really driven to be sharing my story here today on this, this podcast. I, a lot of us keep, keep things to ourselves out of fear of judgment or, and, and shame, embarrassment, humiliation, whatever it is, or maybe it's just too, it's too painful. I, I think just the more 
the more conversations we have about this, the, the better. And just really opening up to one another, being authentic and um, just, just being real with each other. Yeah. I think, I think like we, we are moving in the right direction as in like mental health is, is really taking off at the moment and people are really listening up and, and taking it seriously. So I'd love to just see more, more of that, more people doing podcasts and or whatever it is, whatever your kind of way is, or even just chatting to, to each other, you know, chatting to yeah. trust and, and um, being open about what's, what's, what's really going on. I feel like, especially given the, the world of social media that we live in and, and, and every day we're exposed to people's highlights, it, it can really portray a, uh, unrealistic version of life as though every day is just lounging on the beach, sipping on a margarita in a bikini. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, if you, if you post something that's, you know, you're not necessarily having the best day quite often that doesn't get the same reaction as you do as, as when you're having a great day and you're beaming, with sunshine and whatnot so i think it's great to kind of have these chats maybe even off social media you know just in, in person and yeah um, get down to the nitty-gritty of what's going on 100 percent, i think and i think you're like, we're slowly starting to see i mean there's still a lot of like the perfect life instagram but like, even like yourself like you yeah, i'm posting your stories and i feel like there's a lot of people starting to to use like I think I find Instagram and TikTok, one of those things you take from what you want take what you, what you want it for um and I think the more people like yourself that you know share and open up because you know there might be someone in the same situation as you you know in that time and listen and go oh wow there's actually people out there that get off this stuff as before maybe that wasn't a thing you know 100 <clears> percent, <throat> man and it's incredible to for me to be flicking through the comments on on my videos uh, on, on TikTok especially, and people are just having full-on conversations, you know, like I, I might do my video and, you know, I've been addicted to this and that, and then, like, there, there'll be a comment that says, hey, I was addicted to this for this many years and I've been off it, or, or hey, I'm, I'm addicted to this and I'm still struggling, has anyone got any help? And, and it's just, like, the, the really beautiful thing for me is that is watching these conversations kind of open up, like, man, this mm. is just like a now just like a forum for people to have these conversations. So I think like the more people that are just ha taking that that step, that courageous step and, and being vulnerable and opening up that space, like look, mm. at, look at what can be created. Yeah, totally. And do you, like obviously, because you said you had, yeah, it took you quite a few times to get to you know, your, your kind of uh, final point of where you're actually able to stop. Yeah, having that openness about, you know, failing is okay in some sense, would you say? Of course, yeah. Once again, not painting it in that brush of like, it, it, everything's just kind of rainbows and butterflies, whatever it is, or like it's um, admitting that there's, there's tough times as, as well as really great times. Yeah, 100%. That is life. <laughs> you know, as much as, and you know, sometimes those, you have to be in those really shit spots uh to to value the good ones as well um so and in terms of your book that's um that sounds super exciting is that you know just about your story and or have some more kind of educational points or just a bit of everything it's it's my story yeah it, um, 
so it'll be really getting into the, the nitty gritty of it and the mm. craziness of it. Um, but then also what, what I learned along the way. Yeah. Is it crazy writing, like sitting down writing it and obviously it bring up some pretty crazy and, um, wild memories for you well and sad too does it bring up a lot of emotion for you yeah man it really yeah. does i i i still do therapy to this day yeah highly rated actually in the, what we're saying before about like things that i'd like to see differently i'd like to see a lot more therapy yeah uh and it's an openness to therapy and especially in men as well <clears throat> yeah it helps me so much and regardless of whether things are are tough therapy can be super helpful but even when things are good i then have because things are more stable i have the opportunity to work on these deeper issues that have been driving my behavior for so long but in regards to the book yeah man it did it it could bring up a lot of it does bring up a a lot of stuff for me and I, i speak to my therapist quite frequently about it i i try not to be super disciplined in the sense of oh i'm going to write it this time today because uh, I really want to just check in with kind of how I'm feeling about my, myself and whether I'm feeling stable enough to be writing about a particular thing and make sure that I'm doing a lot of self-care, going for a surf afterwards or whatever it, whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, I, I really, to be able to, to, to write in a way where I'm, I'm bringing the, the reader in to the moment, I really need to, like, bring myself back into that headspace. And so that a lot of times involves re-triggering myself yeah 100 percent. it's it's also very healing at the same time because i can i can work through these these feelings so it doesn't feel like i'm just kind of oh i'm just going to trigger myself and just push through this it's it's like okay i'm going to re-trigger myself and, and see where that that came from that takes you yeah and when do you think that uh we'll be able to see that book <laughs> uh well i i hope towards the end of the year to have it amazing uh, to have it written and then i'll be taking it through the, the editing process so good on you yeah. well mate we look forward to well i'd certainly got to look forward to reading it and supporting you along that mate and i'm sure it's going to help millions as it's <laughs> as the word keep coming of people so mate again <laughs> um really 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 acknowledge you for for doing what you're doing i'd it'd be a pretty small percentile of people that get to what you're doing now so it's pretty amazing stuff and yeah thanks for coming on and um it's been yeah an epic story i feel like i've got to go back and and digest this now (laughs) (laughs) oh man thank you so much for having me on and i was really excited uh, when you 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 know when we linked up and and you invited me on here and yeah, you're a legend and you're doing incredible things and, yeah, really, really proud to, to be on here today. So. Oh, thanks, Joel. I appreciate that. And, yeah, what you know, it's just great to, I think, have these conversations and you never know where they're going to go. So, mate, best of luck with everything you're doing and, um, yeah, can't wait to, to hear more about your book and uh, see what else comes of what you're doing. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks, Joel.